0: Good morning. I want to invite you to stand and join us as we sing together.
1: the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glory name. Bless blessed be your name, when the sun's shining down on me, for the world all as it should be, blessed be your name. the road marked with suffering, but there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour, Hey, are
2: Good morning. Thank you all for being here this morning. I have a couple of quick announcements for us. Um, first one is um, nursery workers. You'll have a meeting with Zach and Whitney kind of right over here um, after service next Sunday. Um, it is graduate Sunday, so um, thank you for all the parents and everyone who came out to support our graduates. It's a, a special day. I kind of came in with a lot of these graduates. We're finishing up their freshman year, so it's a um, special place in my heart with a lot of these graduates. Um, also make sure you get um, your bulletin and check out all of those announcements in there. Um, and I think we have a quick VBS announcement. Okay. Make sure this is on. There we go. Okay, it's me
3: again. You saw me last Sunday. We started working on VBS, and we um, had our letter M last week. This week we put up the O. And we want you guys to sign your names to the letter O saying that you'll pray this week that our leaders and our kids will be open-hearted towards seeking Jesus. We're praying for those coming into Bible school. We're going to plant those seeds. Um, Maybe we'll have one kid that gets saved and it'll be worth it. But um, if you will pray this week as a church, sign your letter to the O as you leave. The markers are in the window seals just saying that you'll pray this week for the kids and the leaders to be open-hearted, seeking Jesus. And remember, we only have three more Sundays, and those kids will walk through our doors for that week. So thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support.
2: All right. Thank you, Lori. Um, So BBS is so important. It's one of our biggest community outreaches, to make sure you're getting involved and helping them set up, because there is a lot going on. Um, I think Nancy has one more quick announcement before we do our graduate ceremony.
0: I uh, just want to say I'm very excited um, and encouraged by the turnout we had this morning for our Summer Gospel Choir. If you didn't make it today, it's not too late. You can still come and join us. Um, I think every age group was represented, which is so exciting. We had teenagers, 20s, 30s, on up. It was great. Um, so, But I want to make sure everyone knows that uh, we've talked about it and to make it easier for folks that want to sing with us but then also get to Sunday school by 945, We have tweaked the schedule of rehearsal for our band and praise team so that the gospel choir can start practicing at 9.15 now. So 15 minutes earlier, down in the choir room, 9.15, you're out in time to get to Sunday school at 9.45. So I hope to see you with us next week. Thanks.
2: Awesome. So now is the part of our service where I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand and honor our graduates. Let me pray, and then we'll continue on. Um, Father God, thank you for this amazing day. Lord, thank you for this day. We get to celebrate a milestone, and a lot of these students... Um, career and life, and Lord, just thank you for um, the moment you've brought us to, where I get to bring the word today and be with us as we're ready to receive your word. So, name I pray, Amen. Can we all stand in honor of our graduates? All oh, God's creator's got a place in the choirs. <laughs> that that fits our graduates. Yes, it does. <laughs> That's awesome. (laughs) Duh.
1: time full of war be peace in a time full of doubt just believe yeah there ain't that much difference between you and me in a time full of war
3: Well today is a special day when we honor our 2023 graduates and as you can tell by the video there was uh, not just youth in there but also some children. Uh, this being Zach and Courtney's last day with us. we uh, The video was to also honor uh, all the work that they've done uh, with our youth and children over the last three years and we appreciate them so much. Uh, but we do want to take just a moment to uh, honor our graduates with a gift uh, on behalf of the church. And so uh, I'm going to call the graduates up and as you folks come up, uh, Brother Zach's going to have something for you there that you, he can present to you on behalf of the church. And uh, I told him I said he's going to be the photo op guys. So uh, when he hands on the present, he's got a smile really big so that you can get your pictures. Now, I understand that there's, a, that there's a few in our group that are being prayed out of high school, so here's what I want to do is as uh, we call our graduates, let's let the parents stand and honor the fact that they got them there, all right? Let's let the, the, the parents stand to, so we can honor them as well. All right, our, our first graduate is uh, Mr. Colton Boone, who's graduating from West Stanley High School. Congratulations, Colton. Our next graduate is Allery Cummings, who is graduating from West Stanley High School. Okay, all right. Move on then. Good deal. Uh, Our next graduate is Mr. Travis Elkins, who's graduating from West Stanley High School. Congratulations, Travis. Our next graduate is Miss Samantha Jackson, who's graduating from West Stanley High School. Congratulations, Samantha. Our next graduate is Mr. Ashton Morton, who's graduating from West Stanley High School. Congratulations, Ashton. Our next graduate is Mr. Hunter Smith, graduating from West Stanley High School. (laughs) Congratulations, Hunter. We have one uh, college graduate. I'm not sure if he is with us today, but that is Mr. Zach Ritchie who graduated from East Carolina University Magna Cum Laude with a Bachelor of Science in Finance. So he is our uh, lone college graduate this year. But this is our class of 2023. Thank you, guys.
1: God, we thank you for this beautiful day as we celebrate the time that we've had with Zach and his family, as well as our graduates, and we pray for their future as well as Zach's new future, and God, we thank you for everything that we have today, and God, we ask you to bless bless these tithes and offerings, and God, we lift you up, amen.
0: i
2: Testing one, two, testing one, two, my own. Can you all hear me? Awesome. Um, so, I want you guys to go ahead and open your Bibles with me to uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to invite Bella Hartzell to come up here and read my uh, verses for me. Okay.
1: Therefore, brothers and sisters in view of the mercies of god i urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your true worship do not conform to this age but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can be so you may discern what is the good pleasing and perfect will of god
2: thank you bill Didn't you do a good job y'all Uh, I appreciate all the youth that uh, participated in today's uh, service. Um, I'm so proud of all of our graduates. Um, So if you're not there yet, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, I'll give you a little time to get there. Um, So first off, I'm actually truly grateful to be here in front of you guys this morning. Um, I'm excited for the next season for both the church and my family. Um, So thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to preach on my last Sunday here. Um, I hope that you can hear from the Lord and his word. So as we begin our time today, I have to imagine that one of the most frustrating things in the film industry is when you have an actor who goes rogue off the script or an actor that wants to constantly change the script. Um, I know you see it in these articles all the time about actors not being satisfied with the script, so they add something uh, new to it. It may work out, it may It may not. But, you know, the actors have to understand that the role, their role they play is to follow the script that has been written. Um, I think the same principle can be applied to us today, that we are actor in God's grand play we call life. He has written the script given in his word, and it's a good, amazing truth, an amazing script that we can live by. But often we try to flip it or rewrite it. Right now, we're facing a cultural norm of deconstruction, meaning they want to piece, take pieces out of the truth of God and insert their own pieces to make the Word of God to say exactly what they want it to say so they can live the life exactly they want to live. And, or they have apathy towards the things of God where they don't care what God says. We want to flip God's script. We want to change it. And we want to change him, how He relates to us and how His com- commands apply to us and culture in church and out of church is trying to convince our kids and students this is including our graduates that they are to worship themselves and if not themselves then anything that's not God. They want to remove God from everything whether that that they change the script to be an identity crisis or blatantly worshiping Satan in public. The enemy wants to destroy everything that God has designed. And he's no longer hiding it. We saw it at the Emmys. We saw it at Dodger Stadium the other day. He is no longer hiding what he's trying to do. We have this worship that's being celebrated openly and without reprimand. And what are we, church, doing about it? What are we doing about it? But I think the sad thing is that we want to point fingers often to all these things we see in our culture. But often, I and, and we fall into the same trap ourselves. That we have apathy towards the thing of God, and we want to change His script for how things should be. The culture has gotten, it has gotten its cues for how to respond to God by the, from the church. Because the church has stopped getting its cues from God. So the culture is like, well, if the Christians aren't doing it, then why should we? Or Christians are treating people poorly. And therefore people are like, well, that's how the, Christ is. and I don't want to be anything apart, any part of that. We've got to change the culture to get the church back on script with God and the things of God. To stand for truth, to stand for justice God's way. And often we, we, do, we have this picture of what we want to do is, okay, God, here's your, here's your Bible, and I stand over it. Okay, Bible, you, I tell you what to do. I, Bible, this is how things are going to be. All right, this is how it is. I don't care what you say. I'm above you. You're a book. I'm a man. We write books. Man wrote you. That's not how it is. That's not how it is. God wrote this book and used man to do it. We cannot be over the Bible. Or we often, we just do this. How many just like gasped? (laughs) And I want to make a note. We either stand on top of God and tell what to do, or we disregard it altogether. I'm sure this. I want to validate a feeling right now. I'm sure some of you right now, because I put the Bible on the ground, are really angry. Well, that I almost threw it, are really angry. that means you value the word of God and there's some of you that didn't care either way and that's a problem because this is our script for life and we're off script we're we're not doing life the way we're supposed to we have to get back on script we have to get back to what God says because the world is saying write your own story it's saying achieve your own destiny Graduates, isn't this what they've told you since since you became a freshman? Achieve your goals. Write your own story. Do this for yourself. Put yourself up. It's all about you and no one else. That's not the way the Bible says it is. The Bible says we are to live our lives as our verses as a living sacrifice, giving ourselves up to God so we can live God's way. The, The world is telling us we can do these things Because everyone's trying to achieve the same thing, fulfillment and satisfaction. Except the world says, achieve this through the best version of yourself that you can make. And God says, no, die to self. Put on Jesus. Live as a living sacrifice. We all want to be truly satisfied, complete, filled up. That's what we're all looking for. We're trying to plug in everything into the formula of God and the script of God so that we can be truly filled, but we end up being empty. Empty. Dissatisfied, discomfort. We have to flip the script back and get back to God's script and his original mandates, which leads us to the proposal I want us to unpack today. That we are only truly satisfied when we learn to live in sacrifice, and we learn to live in sacrifice when we remember God's mercy and we reflect God's way. So we've read our verses for Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we're kind of parachuting into Romans chapter 12 in the middle of an argument change in the, in the letter to the Romans written by Paul. And in the first 11 chapters, Paul is unpacking and showing us just how merciful God is by revealing to us the gospel. That is, we have a sin debt that only Christ can pay, which just completely changes me to see God for all he is and for me all that I'm not. To live and glorify Him. And now he's shifting into this argument for the rest of the book to tell us, okay, you got the gospel and the truth of the gospel, now do something about it. He's compelling us to, to remember God's mercy, looking back and to reflect God's way looking forward. So that brings us to our first point. We are truly satisfied and sacrificed when we remember God's mercy. Romans 12.1 said, In view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. Paul is urging them to remember everything he has just explained and how amazing and merciful God is when he deals with us. He's telling us we have to step back and we have to look back on all of God has been faithful for us to do. I know this is a hard thing for us to do, especially when things aren't going the way we think they should go. It's hard to see how God faithful is, but we have to remember God is faithful even when it doesn't look like he's, he's there. God is faithful. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's got to discipline us when we fall into sin, but he doesn't forsake us. Those are who are his. We see that God is faithful and he loved us enough to give us this ultimate sacrifice. Listen to Deuteronomy 7.9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. With those who love him and keep his commandments. To the thousand Generations. God is so faithful in His love and covenant because God does what He says and keeps His promises. God is faithful and loves us to the end, to, this, to giving us the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ. We have to remember this mercy He showed us. So, okay, we've talked about this word mercy. What, what is mercy? God looking at me and you and withholding the punishment that I undoubtedly and unquestionably earned and deserve. Before God, we are all guilty. No if and buts about it. We all got sin in us and from us, and that makes us guilty before God because he says sin shouldn't be in the world. And there's a punishment for sin. So we earn our punishment before God and it's because of God's mercy by not giving us what we do deserve and offering us the ultimate sacrifice in Jesus Christ. We have to remember what he's done for us. Why do we need to remember this? Okay, we have what we need to remember. Why do we need to remember God's mercy. Listen to 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God our Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. According to his mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. We just sang about that. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept for you in heaven, who by God's power has are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that you may be test the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes through, though it's tested by fire, and may be found to result in praise and glory and honor all the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, Graduates, I don't know if you remember or not, I'm hoping you do. I'm going to have good faith you do. This is the first verses we unpacked together. This was our driving force for a long time when I first got here. We need to remember God's mercy because it shows us who God is and who we are and how we can relate to him. And a proper view and understanding of who God is, meaning he is God, I am not, allows us to receive and respond to what he's done for us. We don't understand who God is then it doesn't really matter what He's done for us. If we don't understand who God is, it doesn't really matter what He's done for us because we don't really comprehend it. We don't really know what to do with it. We're like, okay, some random God out there that I don't know has given me this great salvation. What does that mean? What do I need to be saved from? But understanding God is God and has a standard for life and we test our life with His standard and know we don't measure up makes us appreciate the mercy when we remember it. And remembering this mercy causes us to respond by the next part in this verse it says in view of the mercies of god i urge you to present your body as a living sacrifice remember what how much god's given up for you makes you or should make you remember how i can how am i supposed to live my life it should make us be grateful and say god i see what you've done for me here i am Remembering Christ's great sacrifice for us allows us to properly understand what sacrifice truly is. All right, so we've been throwing around this word sacrifice, 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 all over the place. Let's come back and say what it means before we continue using it. Sacrifice means to give up something you see as valuable for something considered more valuable. It's not an exchange. So give me an example. So I would be willing to give my life up for my family's life because I consider their life more valuable than mine. That my life's not valuable, I see them as more valuable. Christ looked at us and said, I'm going to give my life for theirs because their life is, is valuable because I love them and I know they can't get to God without me. So Christ looked at us and said, so your life is more valuable than my own. I give myself up for you. But we don't deserve it. That's the point. We don't deserve it. We don't have value because we're these great people. We have value because God created us and He called us to this great salvation. But on the flip side of this coin, I want us to listen to Matthew 19.11. It says this, when the Pharisees saw this, he's in the middle of a story talking about how Jesus is eating with the tax collectors and sinners after He called Matthew to be a disciple. The Pharisees asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not healthy; the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I, do not desire, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. It almost seems like we have a problem. Romans 12 2, it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Yeah. There's my first amen. <laughs> but we hear Jesus saying, I don't desire sacrifice. Is this a contradiction? Is this is a problem we have to deal with. Well, here's what Jesus is, is, is saying. He does not, he does not desire a system of sacrificial that they would have been super familiar with, of going to the temple, going through all the things, giving the animal sacrifice, sprinkling the blood, sending the goat out, the whole shebang. God's like, I don't desire sacrifice as a system. I've given the sacrifice you need so you can live and follow me. I desire mercy because mercy is better than sacrifice because mercy in view of God's mercy we understand what God has done for us and giving us what we need even though we couldn't get there. In view of God's mercy we get what we don't deserve. We don't we don't get what we do deserve. Christ's sacrifice en- enables us to be obedient because we realize how much we have been given. That we are stuck in sin, that we are far from God, that we desperately need Him. And we see the sacrifice, okay, God, I surrender. But we do understand, and those who've been living the Christian life long enough will understand this statement. And those who have not, you'll understand this as you grow. Obedience requires us to sacrifice. Following Jesus is not easy, but it's worth it. Following Jesus is not popular but it's worth it. Because look, we have to give up our life of what we think things should be and go to God's word and say, okay, God, I see this, what they, what they have to be. See what they have to be. We have to give up our way of thinking, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're going to pack that in a second. We have to give up our life in things that are sinful and seen as value, valuable and exchange them for the treasure of heaven. Simple way to put it, Jesus is always better. Jesus is always better. You can try to plug anything into the equation of your life, Jesus will always go beyond. No amount of anything will make you filled up and satisfied like the sacrifice of Christ. Because he changes you and gives you a whole new identity. Isn't that what we're all searching for? Who are we? Who are we? How can I fulfill my purpose in life? What is my purpose? So to this effect, this living we are supposed to live to reflect Christ, Christ's sacrifice, and this is our true, as the verse says, our true and proper worship. True and proper worship, the end of verse one. See, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, living your life, dying to yourself, living for Jesus which is holy and pleasing to God, and this is your true, the Greek word said, true and proper worship. Personal and authentic worship. Picture this. Students have seen this picture before, but I want to remind you. How many people worship with their hands closed? Like this. Hardly anybody. Why? Why? posture of worship is surrender. So he says, okay, remember my mercy, and then present your life, surrender, as a living sacrifice to me, holy and pleasing to me, which means we have a standard, and this is your true and proper worship. This is how our life is to be a surrender and obedience to the sacrifice in response to God's mercy, which is greater than a Sunday morning music session. Nancy does a great job of bringing us into a space of worship to be prepared for the word of God. But if our worship stops with the final note of the lyric or song, we have ceased worshiping and reduced ourselves to a concert attender. If our worship stops when Nancy is done, we have reduced ourselves to a concert attender. Because we can go sing with whoever you want to insert here at a concert and feel the same feelings we feel in worship. Our worship goes beyond music. Music helps us get there. But worship goes beyond music. It's our daily living of obedience and surrender to the Lord. So we see that understanding how great God is and how much he sacrificed for us and our identity in him leads us to be satisfied in our sacrifice living to God because we understand that is our purpose and our true worship. How we give glory to God. That's what worship means. So remembering God's, worship, remembering God's mercy must compel us to reflect God's way. Reflect God's way. How do we reflect God's way? He tells us, verse 2, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this age, this pattern of direction of thinking, but be transformed, made completely new and different by the renewing or changing of your mind. Why? So that you may discern the will of God. Discern, understand good enough to do something about it. Discernment means understanding something good enough, you do something about it. Understand the good and pleasing, satisfying, perfect, sanctifying will of God. How do we learn to be satisfied and sacrifice? How do we learn to be satisfied by sacrificing our way to God's way? I saw this beautiful picture on um, Instagram, a little short video uh, the other day. Um, God was guiding man through a desert and he was trying to lead him to a water source and man saw this little well over here that just dripped one, uh, one little drop at a time. Man couldn't get more than one drop. And God said, okay, you have this little drop, but look over across the desert. I, there's a sign that points to a beautiful oasis that you can have water that never ends. So man's looking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He's like, do I want it now? Do I want it later? Do I want it now? Do I want it later? And what's what's man's response every time? I want it now. I want to be satisfied now, God. I don't want to wait. I want to be satisfied now. So man takes off running to the little drip in front of him. Because he saw the distance it took to get to the oasis. and said, God, I don't want that. God put obstacle after obstacle after obstacle in front of man to stop him from getting there. But man wanted it so bad, the immediate pleasure and relief. That he made it there anyway. God even erased with an eraser the, the spigot and man rebuilt it so they could have the satisfaction now. Why did the man want the little drip so bad, be way more than God's unending pleasure and satisfaction? Because immediate relief often seems better than a long term solution. Immediate relief often seems better than a long-term solution. As we go through this transition, side note, like I hope that we are the First Baptist plays the long game, not the short immediate relief. Because what God has in store, whatever the time frame is, is better than just throwing arrows at it. God's oasis is better than the dripping well. We crave satisfaction for a moment, but fail to see God desires us to be satisfied forever. We desire comfort and to be a part of a crowd. And this is the fight we see in middle school and high school. I saw Miss Pinto. She sees it every day, this fight of the crowd, this trend to be viral. But you guys realize that trends never truly satisfy. Your parents went through trends. Your grandparents went through trends. You go through trends. Your kids will go through trends. Why do trends keep changing? Because people are never satisfied in the trend, in the popular and why often does the trend always come back to what was done like 50 years ago? Because they realized there was something good about what was being done then. I'm not saying we need to revert back to everything we did before, but there are some principles we can follow of good spiritual habits. We want to be satisfied with anything other than God, but we'll never, never be able to be satisfied until we understand that the Word is truly the script we've got to follow. So how do, we, how, do we, how do we do all this? How do we live a sacrifice? How do we try to tr- discern what's the will of God is? But you have to transform your mind by the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God. How do you discern things differently? You have to get your mind to think differently. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. That's how we can reflect God's way. We, if we don't know God's way, we can't reflect God's way. He's revealed the script in His Word. We have to stop conforming and be transformed, Surrender to the fact that we are commanded to reflect God's way. It's commanded to reflect God's way. This isn't a suggestion in this passage. He says, don't be conformed, but transformed. Don't be. It's an imperative. It's not a suggestion. Stop it. He says, stop going with the flow of the culture. Go with God's way. It is better. It is truly satisfying. Like the oasis that will never run out of water. Jesus said, I am the living water. But if we're not intentional about getting in the word, we're not intentional about doing what the Bible says, we're not intentional to do what the Bible says about take every thought captive and force them into the submission of Christ, we are doomed to slip into the same pattern and follow the script of the world. There's so many churches in our area and in the, in the around the world that have slipped into the script of the world, sacrificing the truth of God to be relevant and popular. I think the gospel is relevant enough because every man needs it. We must train our mind to be thinking, thinking differently about the Word of God and spiritual distance, so we can know God's way and we can live it. And, y'all, I know living God's way seems nearly impossible because you feel like you mess up every time you try. And when you, how often when we get to, like, the New Year's resolution things, we're like, "I God, i give you six weeks. If I ain't changed in six weeks, I'm done. We do the same thing with spiritual discipline. Okay, God, I'll give you three days. If this ain't changed my life in three days, I'm done. What I've noticed about God is we give him an ultimatum. He always meets it. <laughs> he always shows us up. He always shuts us up and says, all right, you done complaining, done... Run in your mouth. Let's go. So we have to realize we can be truly satisfied when we remember God's mercy and reflect God's way. So lastly, I want to ask you guys, what is God's way? What is God's way? He says it. The will of God is good and pleasing. In the Greek language, those are one word, meaning well-pleased or satisfied. God's way is satisfying, good and pleasing. It completes you and fills you up. And the second thing, it says it's perfect or sanctifying, bringing you closer to God to be holy as he is holy. That is our standard. If we're not achieving for holiness, we're missing the mark. We're not achieving holiness or reaching for holiness, we're missing the mark. We have to remember God's way so we can reflect. I mean, remember God's mercy so we can reflect His way, seeing how great He is and that He's got our best in mind so we can trust Him and live His way out. And once we remember that satisfied is found in God's mercy, we are able to be satisfied. Reflecting God's way in our sacrifice, in our life of obedience, becomes satisfying eventually. On the front end, if you guys remember when you first believed, God, I don't really want to give up all my stuff. Some of us. God, I like the way I'm doing my thing. I like this thing. It makes me feel good. We have to give it up. God's way is better. It's holy and satisfying. So my question I want to end with this is, how are you going to become satisfied with sacrifice? What things in your life do you need to surrender to God so you can have the life he's meant for you to live? Not saying it's to be wealth and health but be holy and satisfied. How can you remember God's mercy and then be compelled to live God's way? Achieving holiness that leads to truly satisfaction. Living in the, in the victory of Christ through His sacrifice so you can be truly satisfied. I want to do our closing prayer a little bit differently um, than we had before. Um, kind of giving us a a step of how we can pray for one another um, as we learn to be satisfied in sacrifice. Um, And as I go through each part, I would like to have the church respond with me. Um, If you're part of the personnel team or the search team, um, I would like you just to stand where you are. Part of the search team or personnel team, search team for the new candidate or the personnel uh, team. Um, if you guys are near one of those members, could you just like lay a hand on them? If you're not near them, you can just extend your hand towards one of them. Um, guys, you can go ahead and play that uh, that track, too. Um, we're just going to enter into a time of prayer, of praying over each of these members of this team as they're going through this, this process. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then if you guys can put your hand on one of them or extend your hand towards one of them, um, that would be great as we go into this, this time of prayer. Prayer. Dear Father God, we just thank you so much for your word that we can be truly satisfied, filled up, complete in your sacrifice. As we offer ourselves to you, we empty ourselves of ourselves and fill up your pleasure, your joy, your peace, your amazing. And Lord, as we go into this transition for First Baptist Locust, I want to pray for this team that is. I'll you
1: Did she died.
3: Last prayer that we're going to have, and this will be our final prayer for today, is to pray for Zach and Courtney and and Liam as they leave us and they begin new ministry there uh, in uh, Mayberry. I think that's where you guys are going, if I understand correctly. But we want to pray over them. As as we begin to pray, I I want you to understand something. This is not the ending of anything. This is the beginning
1: of something new. And that's what we're celebrating today. Uh,
3: We're celebrating the beginning of something new. Just as with these graduates, with these students, this final week of school, really isn't the ending of anything. It's just the beginning of something brand new. And that's what we celebrate today i so I want to ask our youth to come up with this, so, um, Zach, me and just surround Zach, and Leah, Ezekiel, and all of you build, we're uh, we're to and do that. And, uh, we're going to pray over them, and uh, I invite you to, to pray with us. We're going to pray that God will do a mighty work in their life as they leave us and uh, begin this new field of ministry. Uh, so so God will protect them and keep them safe. But God will also. Father, our Father and our God, we thank you so much for what we've in as a church, we We've selected those that will lead us into this next new stage of our life. And we pray, Father, for them. we may not know who all of them are, you do. We pray, God, that even now we are preparing their hearts uh, as they prepare to come here and begin that new thing that you have planned. We thank you for our students. We thank you for our children. We thank you for our workers. And we pray, God, that in the days ahead that we will stand firm, that we will stand together. Lord, that every person under the sound of my voice in this church building right now will become a part of our children and youth ministry. That, Lord, whether they pray for that ministry or whether they're actively involved, that, Lord, they'll be a part of what you're doing in the next generation's Lord, thank you so much again for this family. We pray for them as they leave us. Lord, do great things in them. Dismiss us now with your great love as our prayer in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And we are dismissed.